Donald Trump ridiculed his political opponents with nicknames all during his successful bid for the United States presidency. He continues the practice today by calling the leader of North Korea, for example, Rocket Man for his many nuclear missile tests. Little Rocket Man. Likewise, the early followers of Jesus were first called Christians at Antioch, a Roman city known for its sarcastic name-calling. They referred to those Christ folks with great contempt. Antioch reminds us that Christians will never be loved by the world, nor should we expect to be. It also reminds us of the words of Jesus to his disciples on the night before he was crucified. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Some 2,000 years ago, the church was born into a hostile culture. We haven't seen too much of that here in America, but times are changing. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today, our culture is more openly hostile to Christianity than it has ever been. And unless something changes, it will only get worse. The question is, how should we respond to this hostility? Ron has three practical suggestions for us today as he continues his teaching series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Stay with us now or drop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get yours. From Acts chapter 11, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, the first Christians. The first Christians we want to talk about. Acts chapter 11, and let me begin reading in verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you. Um, and we use that, that phrase, that salutation, our Father, because that's the way you, you taught us to pray. And because you call us uh, your sons, your daughters in Jesus Christ. And we're grateful to be part of your forever family by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But to as many as received him, that is Jesus, to those he gave the right to become children of God, 
even to those who believe. And, and Father, we affirm that this morning. We sang about it, and um, we're just grateful to be your children. And thank you that you are our Father. You're a good Father, and that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And we thank you for the, the good gift that is um, this book we hold in our hands, the Bible. This is the Word of God. And we ask you to speak to us today, as we do every week, asking you to open up the pages of your Word and uh, help us to understand, help us to receive it into our hearts, uh, give us truth that we can put into practice right where we live today, uh, to where the, our hands and our feet, uh, that we're putting shoe leather and, um, and, and the grip of our hands to the truth that you've given to us. And we'll look forward to what you're going to do and how you'll change our lives, how you'll feed us today, even as the bread of life. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Well, 2,000 years ago, Christianity was born into a um, culture that was hostile to the faith. It would be a gross understatement for me to say that Christianity was born into a culture that was kind of unfriendly to it. No, it was hostile to the faith. Much persecution came against the early followers of Jesus, and we've been learning that as we've been studying our way through the book of Acts. But let me give you an example from, from history as to how hostile the culture was to the Christian faith. Uh, by the time the gospel reached Rome, an emperor named Nero was doing everything he could to stamp out Christianity. You've heard of the Roman Colosseums and, 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 and the uh, lions and all of that kind of thing. Another thing that Nero did was uh, he, he would take Christians uh, under force, uh, tie them to a post, extend that post high into the sky, and line the streets of Rome at night, and he would light them, the Christians, on fire. You ever heard of a Roman candle? I know that's kind of a Fourth of July thing, but I think it comes from that right there. Next time you light up a Roman candle on July 4th to celebrate your independence, just remember the early followers of Jesus who paid a huge, huge price, uh, who, who were born into this thing called the church and Christianity born into a culture that was, that was hostile to our faith. Now, most of us grew up in a time over the last, I don't know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years when uh, for us in the West and in uh, America, we've lived in a culture that is relatively friendly and accepting of our faith. I remember a time when businesses were closed on Sunday. Uh, there were blue laws in the books, and um, you know, the, the, the wheels of commerce stopped on the Lord's Day out of respect to this being the Lord's Day and out of respect to people uh, who went to church, which were the vast majority of people, we might say, in our culture, uh, many more than do, do so today. Uh, it was a friendly time. It, it, it was relatively easy to be a Christian during that time. We called it cultural Christianity, a culture that rel relatively so accepted our faith and participated in it and, and, and all of that. Well, those days are gone, friends. Somebody recently just, you know, even pronounced the death of cultural Christianity. It, it's no longer a culture that is friendly to our faith. It's becoming increasingly hostile to the Christian faith. Maybe not in a Roman candle kind of way, but one example popped up in Southern California just this week. Um, some of you may know a pastor named Greg Laurie. 
he is a local church pastor in, I believe, Riverside, California, but he's also known for a larger ministry that he um, started years ago called Harvest Ministries or Harvest Crusades. He's been doing crusade-style evangelism for years in Southern California, filling stadiums with tens of thousands of people and, and winning people to Jesus Christ. I believe he sits on the board of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Greg Laurie is a, a wonderful man of God, has been used in a wonderful way. Been doing uh, Harvest Crusades for, I think this is their 29th year. And this year they did what they've done every year, which is to put billboards all throughout uh, Southern California advertising um, the Harvest Crusade. And this year the billboard had a picture of Greg Laurie you know, holding up what looked like was a Bible. And as those billboards came out, the, uh, the complaints came into the advertising company, and the complaints turned into threats. And the advertising company just in the last week or so uh, decided to pull all of the billboards. And Greg Laurie, in, in, in much kindness and grace, in various news organizations that says, you know, when, when did this book called the Bible become a threat in our culture? Well, cultural Christianity is gone. And, and, and the, 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 the hostility toward our faith is beginning to grow. We've all felt it at some level. And to some extent, it's, it's, it's not bad because I think in cultural Christianity for the past Again, 50, 60, 70 years, the church has kind of been lulled to sleep in the West. Now we're back to perhaps the kind of culture that the early church was born into, one that was not friendly to our faith. And that brings us to Acts chapter 11 and the latter part of the chapter, verses 19 and following, where it tells us that the gospel finally made its way to the city of Antioch. Um, Many Bible teachers see this story that Luke puts into the Acts, uh, book of Acts here, as the most uh, intentional step the early church took to take the gospel to the Gentiles. You see, remember Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that the scope of the mission was to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And quite frankly, the church kind of drugged their feet a little bit on that. They got very comfortable in Jerusalem through Acts chapter 1 all the way through uh, the beginning of Acts chapter 8. It took some persecution. It took uh, the stoning of Stephen and Saul of Tarsus, who was then Saul the terrorist, to turn up the heat on the church, God allowing that to happen so that people scattered from their kind of comfort zone in Jerusalem out into Judea and then later into Samaria. And uh, we talked earlier about the, the uh, ethnic hostilities between Jews and Samaritans. But, but Jesus said the gospel needed to get even to the Samaritans. But it still hadn't, you know, been fully implemented all the way to the Gentiles. We don't get to that until about Acts chapter 10. Some scholars say about 10 years after the day of Pentecost. And, and again, it came kind of reluctantly to the Gentiles, to a guy named Cornelius, the centurion, who was in Caesarea. It was Cornelius that initiated the engagement with Peter, uh, the Lord had to do something with Peter while he was in Joppa, remember the vision, and, and begin to soften Peter's heart even toward the idea of the gospel going to the Gentiles. But we finally get there in Acts chapter 10. We finally get to the uttermost parts. We finally get to, you know, as Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. The implication is even the Gentile nations. But the church is coming along kind of kicking and screaming at that point. 
don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, AD, Acts of the Apostles. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org, for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out something new from Dr. Ron Jones. It's called Something Good Television. SGTV is a weekly broadcast featuring Ron's Bible teaching ministry. And if you're looking for Bible teaching for everyday life, Something Good Television is the place to go. Stop by to check out the sample episodes at somethinggoodradio.org. We see it more and more here in America, a culture that has begun to be openly hostile to the Christian faith. How should we respond? Find out next in the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The First Christians. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. In Antioch, in chapter 11, it's the first time that the church makes what one scholar calls uh, the most epic making of all steps. It was the most intentional step that the church takes in bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And you say, well, why Antioch? Let's talk about the city of Antioch for just a moment. Antioch was one of three great Roman cities after Rome itself, Alexandria, and then you had Antioch, a great Roman city. It was famous for pleasure-seeking, uh, for nightlife, uh, even for, uh, for loose living. I'll just call it the Las Vegas of the ancient world. That was Antioch. And people would travel to Antioch just to kind of have a good time. The temple of Diana was there. It was a place of pagan worship. About five miles outside the city of Antioch was this temple. And in Greek mythology, uh, Apollo and Daphne have this lewd relationship. And in pagan worship, which was always filled with gross immorality, uh, the, the temple prostitutes at the temple of Diana would reenact the lewd love affair between Apollo and Daphne at this little temple about five miles outside the city of, uh, of Antioch. Uh, from Texas, we would call that the best little whorehouse in Texas, and that was the temple of Daphne. And people would go there, okay? Uh, but Antioch is also known as the place where the early followers of Jesus are called Christianis, Christians, for the first time. And it's not a term of endearment. Uh, it is a nickname full of ridicule and contempt. It means those Christ folks, you know, uh, those uneducated, uh, kind of country bumpkin Christ folks, those Christianis. They're first called that. In a, in a place called Antioch. Now, nicknames are kind of an interesting thing, aren't they? Uh, Antioch was known as the place that if you go there, you, you might get a nickname. Uh, our president today loves nicknames, doesn't he? And he, he often nicknames his political opponents, and he did that during the campaign in sometimes a, a humorous way. He, he nicknames uh, certain world leaders. My favorite is his nickname for the uh, North Korean dictator. He calls him Rocket Man, all right, you know? because of all those ballistic missiles that he's, he's firing off over there. Uh, sometimes a nickname is a term of endearment. I'm told that President George W. Bush uh, had liked to nickname people, and he, he liked a particular uh, journalist who was a tall guy, and he, he called him Stretch, you know. Hey, Stretch, how you doing today? You know, and, 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 and when George W. 
would nickname somebody, you, you, you know, it was kind of you knew he liked you. Uh, but other nicknames are not because they like you, but because they're trying to ridicule you. They have contempt towards you. And when the early followers of Jesus were first called Christians, it was a nickname they got in Antioch, this cesspool of pagan religion and uh, loose living, and it was a, a term not of endearment but of, of contempt and hatred toward these people. Yeah, remember that the next time you say, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I mean, the roots of it were not very kind. But, but the question is, as I think about this, and, and as I fast forward 2,000 years into our culture today, the question is this, how do we as followers of Jesus, how do we as Christians, as Christianis, how do we respond when the culture ridicules us, when the culture becomes more hostile to our faith? Do we, turn, do we return insult for insult and ridicule with ridicule, or is there a better way? Well, you might guess I think there's a better way and a more biblical way, and we're going to learn some lessons from this story from the early followers of Jesus who found themselves uh, in Antioch. Let me give you three suggestions this morning. When somebody ridicules your faith, when you find yourself in a context, in a place of work or in your neighborhood or even in your own family where somebody's ridiculing your faith and has contempt towards you because you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, Number one, stay focused on the mission. Stay focused on the mission. Let's go back to verse uh, 19. It says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. Now, this goes back to Acts chapter 8 when the persecution heated up and people began to scatter from Jerusalem out into the surrounding areas, Judea, Samaria. Some of them, according to Luke here, got all the way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and this Roman city called Antioch. But it says they spoke about their faith only to the Jews. Uh, I, I say they played it safe. Persecution heated up. They scattered uh, to these cities. But, but they only spoke a word about their faith to a safe uh, nucleus of fellow Jews, okay? story goes on in verse 29. It says, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. These are the Greeks. These are the Gentiles. And they were preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't play it safe. No, I, I'm going to suggest to us all that they understood the larger mission here. And they weren't play it safe kind of people. Uh, these people were risk takers for the gospel mission. Uh, one uh, Bible teacher calls them nameless pioneers of Christ. Nameless because their names are not mentioned here. You would think with such an epic step that the church was taking to take the gospel now directly to a Roman and Gentile city like Antioch that names like, oh, Peter and Paul and John and, you know, other big dudes, you know, in the early church would be mentioned here. But there's no mention of the names. We don't know who these people were, these, these uh, pioneers for the mission of Jesus Christ, these risk takers. It just says, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Isn't that great? Because it's a reminder to us, friends, that when it comes to the bigger mission, it doesn't matter who gets the credit. 
And anybody who's standing up trying to get the credit just gets in the way of the mission in some way. This giant step the church was taking toward the Gentiles intentionally for the first time, we don't know who the leaders were. And, and again, it's just a reminder to us, there is a mission that is bigger than any one of us in the room, including myself. And it's the mission that Jesus gave us. Eight words, one mission, one mandate. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the mission, friends. When you're mocked or ridiculed for your faith, make sure you stay focused on the mission. God's will is that all might come to the knowledge of repentance, even those who mock Him and His people. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The First Christians, and we'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron continues his teaching series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. For the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission, it takes partnership. It always has. And today, Ron wants to invite you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, Exploring Its Amazing Secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. It's easy to join the 828 Club today. Look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'll be happy to send you the complete audio download of this series you're hearing now, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices 757-276-1099. Even in the midst of a culture like Antioch that was full of ridicule and contempt and hatred for Christians, a culture that's kind of becoming our own culture. How do we respond to something like that? Well, we stay focused on the mission. There's a mission that is bigger than all of us, but we also respond to such ridicule and contempt with grace. 
with grace, not returning insult for insult. We will never insult the pagan world into faith in Jesus Christ. We will never ridicule them back enough to where they say, okay, you know, you're right. No, we'll, we'll love them to Christ. Uh, we, we will be kind and, and gracious to them. Why? Because we are recipients of the grace of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The First Christians. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.